Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello again, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast, episode 144. I'm Michael Citro from SB Nation's uh, website covering all things Orlando City, Orlando Pride, and Orlando City B. They call us the Mainland, and this is the Mainland Podcast, obviously. Joining me, as always, uh, our columnist Dave Rowe up in Tallahassee. Dave, how you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good. Um, is the season over? Is this the post? Are we doing postseason podcast now? No. We're not. No? No, it just seems that God, way. It feels like it. Because yeah. there was no game this past weekend. It was a, uh, a merciful bye week for Orlando City. <laughs> Hopefully the team has learned how to score some goals uh, in the in the week off. Um, you know, maybe, so, they, maybe they can put the ball in the net for the first time against a Texas MLS team. It has not happened so far. The only time that... Uh, Orlando City has scored against the Houston Dynamo or FC Dallas was a Tyler Derrick own goal back in 2015 in the very first game the team has played uh, against a Texas team in MLS. And that was actually the team's first ever win and the first ever uh, road game in MLS. So um, you're saying they're due. I'm saying it's been a long time without a goal. And yeah, (laughs) you would you would think that the law of averages, you know, that the team would go down there to Dallas and just score five because, you know, all the ones that they didn't score in all those other games. But that's probably not going to happen. FC Dallas, Dave, is a team that is in first place, has clinched a playoff spot in the Western Conference. Uh, They are nine points out of the supporter shield with a game in hand over uh, the Red Bulls. Uh, so they actually have a, a realistic chance, not, you know, it's going to be tough for them to catch a good team like that, but they actually have a shot at the supporter shield uh, in, you know, kind of a tumultuous year for FC Dallas. They've still managed mm-hmm. to, they've still managed to, to, again, with just a few games left, lead their division. They're in the playoffs. Um, they continue to do, just do very well. And Oscar Pereja has a big reason. He's a great coach. He's uh it doesn't seem to matter much what he's got in terms of uh, youth or experience. He just finds a way to mix it all together, get it to play his system, and it produces results. So FC Dallas, um, they're in at the other end of the spectrum. Orlando City, last place in the Eastern Conference, um, hoping mm-hmm. to maybe somehow climb above, claw its way above maybe one team and not finished in last. But uh Right now, the only team worse is the San Jose Earthquakes. 
Yeah, and uh, I don't know. It's uh, it, it, I guess it's nice being a uh, FC Dallas fan right now because uh, all that stuff that you were saying sounds really cool. Um, I'd like to experience that one day. Mm. Anyway, it's maybe a, it's overrated. It's, maybe it really sucks to make the playoffs. It, you know, it could be. Maybe we are living the high life right yeah, now. Maybe it just doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> and there go the uh, the last five lists. Please put the sharp objects down. Um, <laughs> all right. So here's the thing: we usually open up with a recap of the previous game, but we did that last week because we didn't have a game this weekend. So we're kind of doing things backwards, Dave. We're going to actually talk about the upcoming game against FC Dallas. We're going to give our key matchups and our score predictions. And uh, this is a team that's kind of very spread out scoring-wise. I mean, not really anybody running away with anything. They, of course, uh, had a big trade early in their, earlier in the season in the um, in the summer window, sending Kellen Acosta to the Colorado Rapids for Dominic Baggi, uh, a player who I always thought was decent. You know, I always thought Baggi was a decent player, and and uh, but I didn't really get the sense that he was great. But if, I expected that in Dallas's system, he could elevate and become something he's got a couple of goals uh since joining fc dallas but uh, dallas kind of spreads things out in terms of scoring there's really not a big star player to to focus on they no longer have mauro diaz who's a guy who's uh, destroyed orlando in the past uh, they have michael barrios who's um, probably most well known for orlando fans as being the guy who uh, played in a game as a substitute after being scratched off the you know the team sheet before the game and so he was oh, yes. in a, an ineligible player and therefore uh fc dallas should have by any fifa rule have forfeited that game to orlando but uh because uh, it's orlando the mls ruling of course was that ah, we'll just uh we'll just give you a fine until you don't do that anymore um that seemed to be the the way that they wanted to handle that even though it hasn't been handled that way anywhere else in the world uh, in the same manner. So uh, I guess the Ever. I guess the justice there was that FC Dallas missed the playoffs last year uh, by missing out on a tiebreaker. And, um, you know, therefore, they that point didn't actually end up helping them. Uh, so that's uh, that's good because I mean, not only ultimately it wouldn't have helped Orlando City to get three points there. But it was, Unfortunately not. you know, they, they talked about not wanting to affect playoff races, but by getting the point, Dallas did affect the playoff race. Because I think at the time that happened, I believe it moved Real Salt Lake below the line, below the playoff line last year when that happened. And it, it certainly affected a very tight Western Conference uh, race for the last couple playoff spots. So um, I don't, I continue to not buy anything MLS says. Because it's <laughs> yes, just that's, that's probably smart yeah, because they're just going to say whatever, you know, sounds good and sounds kind of, you know, public relation -y to uh, to say hey. the basic bottom line, though, is if it hurts Orlando, that's what we're going to do. Um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm, and before anybody thinks that we're just being homers here, go back and look at the evidence. Yeah, I'm I'm done with the poo pooing of uh you know, the conspiracy theories. I did that for three years. I'm not doing it anymore. Yes, we <laughs> uh, no, we're, we're, we're going full blown conspiracy theory over the next, uh, especially over the off yes, season. When, when uh, see, it's well, tinfoil hats. <laughs> I mean, when you see that there was, there've been at least three instances this year of guys who have, have, uh, uh, 
touched people's faces and not gotten any suspensions for it. Uh, Zlatan being That's the weird. most, I think Zlatan was the most recent um, recipient of a, I think he got a fine. Uh, but you, you recall, Kaká got a red card and suspension for the next game. So, uh, you know, it, it, you can't touch anybody if you're in purple, but you can do whatever you want if you're Zlatan or whoever. Um, it, yeah, the, the conspiracy theories weird, are I mean... out. They're, they're out. I'm embracing them. I'm going to just, I'm just <laughs> going to, uh, you know, I'm going to live in them. I'm going to let them breathe. The, the mainland podcast has gone to the dark so, side. Yeah, I mean, until somebody proves me different and, and Orlando City gets away with, like, something crazy, like, that, you know, like, the kind of things that happen against Orlando, like the the phantom penalty against Columbus a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. Well, God, it's been probably a month and a half now, but... Um, you know, things like that, the, the, the goal, tying goal against LAFC being waved off. Those are not the things that happen in Orlando's favor. These are the things that happen against Orlando. So, uh, and, and I don't, and, and don't it, even get it, me started. It might take on, more than one. Don't even get me started on that DC game with where every call yeah. went their way. So, all right. So Dave, um, you know, given what we know about FC Dallas, which isn't a lot, we don't see them a lot. What do you think the, no. the key matchup will be for Saturday night? And, uh, what do you see as your scoreline prediction? Okay, so um, key matchup is going to be um, defensive midfield, and I know that I should narrow it down. I mean the actual defensive midfield, not defensive midfielders that are playing in the attacking midfield. Um, Whoever we've gotten in the defensive midfield and and how they're able to um, take that, as you said, very varied uh, FC Dallas attack. Um, And and the reason that's my key matchup is – my score prediction is three nothing. Now, if the defensive midfielders play better, it might only be two nothing. Mm. Um, it's not a what does Orlando City need to do to win. It's a what do they need to do to limit scoring. Stop the bleeding. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Stop the bleeding. So for me, it's going to be uh, how the defensive midfield plays against FC Dallas's attack, and uh, I'm going with three nil. Okay, I'm. Uh... I'm going to say that, uh, yes, I think that the shielding is important. The back line against, um, w- you know, when Orlando City played last against Houston Dynamo, uh, played very well. It was a starting back line, the line that, uh, you know, Jason Christ had envisioned before the season started as this is going to be my starting back four. My rock is going to be built on these four pillars, uh, Scott Sutter, Jonathan Spector, Lamine Sané, and Mohamed El Munir. That did not happen because everybody's been hurt. Everybody's been suspended. Everybody's had concussions. Everybody's had uh, knee problems. Everybody's had quad problems. It's it's just been <laughs> one thing after another, you know, to the point where, you know, midfielders were playing center back, fullbacks were playing center back. Um, you know, the, the, the coat check girl at the stadium was. I was going to say, weren't you? Yeah, you were on you were in the 18 one time. Yeah, I think I think I was uh, I was on the bench I think for a couple games maybe against uh, you know maybe New York City FC or something I don't know. Um, but anyway, it's going to be a matter of uh, can that back line and the two defensive midfielders that played in front of them. I'm imagining James O'Connor comes back with that because of how well they played last time. Those four defenders plus. Uh, Yuri Rossell and uh, Carlos Asquez. If those six guys, that's the focal point. You're going to have to shut down Maxi Arruti and Dominic Baggi. Uh, those, I think, are the more dangerous goal-scoring types for um, 
for FC Dallas. So those are the guys that I'm worried about. Christian Coleman also is a guy who they're going to have to watch on set pieces. He's good in the air. And uh, I think that that's really where the game's going to be won or lost, which, of course, it will be won by FC Dallas by a score of 2-0. I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic than you and say that the defense works uh, not quite as good as it did against Houston, but I think it works decently, and it's 2-0 because... I can't envision this team scoring any goals the way they've been not scoring goals the last month. So I, <laughs> or or ever you know, in yeah you know in Texas we always say you know there's show me you can do it and they'll start predicting it. Well, they're not showing me they can win a game, so I'm not picking them to win. They're not showing me that they can score goals uh, either against Texas teams or um, you know at all lately against anybody. So uh, I'm not even going to predict you to score a goal until you show me you can score a goal. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you, Orlando <laughs> City. I taunt you. I taunt you. You consider yourself taunted. Wow. Um, <laughs> you, you heard it here, folks. Michael Citro calling out the line. James O'Connor, feel free to play this in the locker room before the game. Bulletin, bulletin right. board material. I don't think you can do it. I don't think you got it in you. Like, oh, you know, man. Reverse psychology uh, works on my little, uh, on my nine-year-old. So sometimes I'm thinking it might work on the Lions. I don't know. It's worth a shot. <laughs> I mean, at this point in the season, why not, uh, right? That's right. It's it's the only thing I got left. <laughs> so, um, I want some goals. Yeah, that's yeah. all. That's all I'm asking for is some goals. Right, like, like if 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 we lose three one, I'm gonna be like, all right, cool. It's I mean, see, that's the thing. It's like. The team, we've seen losses. We've seen tons of losses. Yeah. So if you're going to see losses, at least let us have some moment during the game of joy. Put the ball in the net. Yeah. And, you know, then we will have, we'll still complain, but we won't complain as much because we'll, we'll have that one bright, shining moment we can look at <laughs> and focus on. The silver lining among all the, the dark, stormy clouds. That's right. We, we know, that's all we need. We need, we need something. Throw us a frickin' bone here. <laughs> uh, and yet, in our predictions, we're not hopeful. No, they're not hopeful. They're, I mean, again, show me you can do it, and I'll start predicting that it could happen. <sighs> yeah. It's like, you know, if there's, if there's a guy out in the yard jumping up and down trying to get to the moon, I'm not going to predict he's going to get to the moon until he reaches roof height, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, that's all we're looking for, Orlando, just roof height. All right. So uh, anyway, that's it. That's all our show. No, uh, that's that, <laughs> wishful that's, thinking on our part. <laughs> yeah, that's our our, our uh, preview, I guess, if you want to call it that, of Orlando City at Dallas. That game is Saturday night at Toyota Stadium in Frisco. Um, and every time somebody talks about playing in Frisco, I think MLS doesn't have a team in San Francisco. Yeah, um, but same way. So. I lived in Texas for two years. I never heard of Frisco when I lived there. Hmm, okay. And <laughs> I lived well. I lived in Amarillo, state. and which isn't close to the Dallas area. But I did spend some time in Fort in the Fort Worth, Dallas, Arlington area uh, while I was there, uh, and I still never heard of Frisco. So I, apparently, it's a thing. <laughs> it's it's obviously. I a think thing. Frisco is to Dallas as Bridgeview is to Chicago. I think is how it works. And see, I don't know Bridgeview. Yeah. Well, that's in Illinois somewhere. Le- well, allegedly. I figured from the Chicago. Reference. Allegedly. 
Um, not so you'd notice, um, but yeah. And both stadiums are naming rights for Toyota. So go figure. I think there's uh, something to this. There's a connection. There's yeah. a deeper connection. Illuminati. We told you we were going full conspiracy. It's the Illuminati. Yes. Uh, anyway, let's talk about the Pride, Dave. Okay. Okay. So we got a team called the Orlando Pride. They didn't make the playoffs either, but at least the first no. they teased us for a while about it. They did. Uh, big yeah. announcement this week. Not really a big announcement. 20-player uh, roster. Basically, everybody has either been picked up for next year uh, if they had a contract option year, or they've been offered a new contract. So um, there were about 10 players that uh, the Pride have exercised their option on. Those 10 players are Poliana, who just got a whopping three in our uh, season player grade for her. Yeah. <laughs> Edmonds, Alana Kennedy, Ali Krieger, Sydney LaRue, Carson Pickett, Chioma Obogagu, Emily Van Egmond, Marta, and Danny Weatherholt. Those 10 are under contract for next year. Their, ex, their, they have been option, their option has been picked up is basically what I'm trying to not say. Um, but that doesn't mean they'll all be playing here next year. That just means their rights are protected they are property of the pride pride can transfer them uh to another team in nwsl uh you know transfer them overseas whatever they can do they can do whatever they want and um standard operating procedure yeah so it doesn't mean they're going to necessarily play next year but i think if you look at those 10 players dave who who really sticks out as those are the guy those are the ones that we need to keep um larue uh pickett um, Marta and I'd like to, I mean, there's some others I'd like to keep Edmonds, um, and Kenny and Van Eggman. But then again, you know, we've got international slots we've got to worry about next year. So there, there are others that I'm happy to see perhaps not be here, but, uh, you know, we're being nice. So <laughs> Why, why we? Why would we start doing that? I don't know. All right. I think yes, Marta for sure. Um, Sydney, yes. Allie Krieger. I think she's got another year or two. Good, you know, that she could probably contribute at a decent level. Um, Danny Weatherholt. I'm definitely a, a fan of Danny Weatherholt. Want uh, Danny back. Uh, any of the others, as far as I'm concerned, can go. Um, they are expendable, but um, you know. Ideally, you'd like to get something decent for some of these players because Kennedy and Van Egmond are, you know, internationals. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think Chioma Bogagu still has some upside that she hasn't realized yet. Carson Pickett probably could be better than what we saw last year. Um, Kristen Edmonds, I think, is 32 now. She's, she's starting to get up there. Poliana did nothing last year. Nothing. Um, yeah, she, just go read. That's why she got a three. Yeah, I mean, she's... <laughs> I mean, she's a Brazilian international. She's going to be playing in the upcoming friendly uh, against England. But uh, we've seen her do good things with Houston. Uh, but this year she did nothing. I mean, maybe wh whoever the new coach is is probably going to have to, you know, figure it out for themselves uh, who they want to stay and go. So, um, you know, it's possible that you get a coach in here that really whips some of these players uh, into shape that haven't been performing well. Um and maybe other players that have been performing at a decent level, maybe they won't fit the system quite as well. I mean, we just have – there's just too many variables. We don't know what's going to happen. So, anyway, those 10 players are the ones that are, are in the fold for next year, along with the 
federal uh, the federal uh, players that have been uh, federation players that have been federation. allocated. Yeah, I can't talk tonight, Dave. It's been a crazy crazy week. Um, plus, I podcasted last night for a different uh, different outlet, so it's uh, <gasps> yeah. I've been just kidding. I've been seeing other podcasts. Oh God, I feel so betrayed. Um, you know, we have an open relationship, Dave. That's, that's technically true. <laughs> we never, we never said we were exclusive. Um, no, so, we didn't. Uh, yeah. So I, the federation allocated players are Ashlyn Harris and uh, Alex Morgan and Shalina Zadorsky, uh, Zadorsky from Canada. The other two, obviously, from the U.S. And the, you know, they should all be allocated again next year unless something changes. Uh, I don't anticipate that Morgan will be out of Jill Ellis's, um, uh, you know sites in terms of uh next year considering it's a world cup year and ashton harris is you know as solid as they come as a backup uh, goalkeeper for the u.s and i know some people think she should be starting go read our grade on her this year (laughs) yeah i was gonna say (laughs) Um, but um yeah she's so she they'll 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 all be federally uh allocated again next year by their federation so uh, i think that uh, all of those so that's 13 players out of the 20 there are seven players have been offered new contracts and this might be a little bit more of an interesting conversation the uh, seven who have been offered new deals include danica evans monica rachel hill haley kopmeyer camilla christine nairn and tony presley where who are the, who do you think there are the most uh, out of that group are the most important ones for the pride to to get to sign on that dotted line in the offseason? Uh, for me, without a doubt, Rachel Hill, Haley Kopmeyer, and Christine Nairn are the uh, the most important out of that group. Uh, I think uh, obviously Hill, I, I feel, was maybe underused, um, and uh, if given a bigger role, could contribute. Kopmeyer's the the best uh, backup keeper in NWSL and could probably start a bunch of places. And uh, I think Naren brings a lot as well. So for me, those three off the top of my head. Yeah, I think those three, I'm going to add Camilla to that because I think um, okay. she had a rough season, uh, not being able to return from the knee injury till mid season. And those things linger and usually takes uh, for a devastating knee injury and surgery like that. You know, it could take a year and a half to get to back to full range of motion. Um, some players never really get it all the way back, but um, you saw little glimpses from Camilla of what she put out, you know, on the field in 2017, but you never really got to see a full game of her just taking over. And she, she was able to take over games in 2017 and, and um, make defenses look silly, uh, was able to contribute quite a bit on the offensive end. So I think there's a lot of talent there. Again, mm-hmm. here's, here's another player who's, you know, uh, a, you know, a, a regular player with her national team and Brazil's got a pretty decent national team. So, um, you know, you got to have something on the ball to be able to make that team consistently and, and get minutes. And she's been able to do that. So I think Camilla, along with Nairn, Kottmeyer and uh, Hill as well. And, you know, I mean, but there's I guess there's a small chance you could see all 20 of these players back next year because the the word is the NWSL is going to be expanding rosters. Um, not sure how much, maybe 24, maybe 26 instead of the 20 player roster because it's a world cup year and some yeah. of these players are going to be gone for two months. Um, you can count on the Brazilians be, be Brazilian. an incredible upset if they didn't qualify. Uh, yeah. Brazilian. Brazilian. <laughs> Brazilian are from. So yeah. 
Yeah. That's that's the double-edged sword of, of getting excellent internationals. And however long the Brazilians and Australians are going to be gone for, add two weeks to that, and that's uh, the Americans are going to be gone that much longer. Thanks, Jill Ellis. Because <laughs> that's just the way it is. Uh, but anyway, that was the big news from the Pride this week. Uh, not uh, Sorry if anybody got excited thinking we are going to announce a coach, but uh, no – no coach nope. yet. We haven't really heard any rumblings. I don't really anticipate hearing too many rumors. I think it's just going to be one of those deals that one day either like somebody like Jordan Culver might get the story mm-hmm. ahead of time and break it. Uh, that sources say that so-and-so is going to be the coach and then it gets announced. Or the first time we hear it might be when the team announces it because there's not, um, you know, I, I, I couldn't even – think of who might be on the short list for this yeah i actually was doing a little looking around on that today and i nothing could not think of like you i'm just coming up empty right now yeah so i mean Haley kottmeyer and uh ali krieger are currently uh they're they're getting their coaching licenses so maybe some point it could be one of them (laughs) (laughs) it won't be this year hopefully no, I, 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 I love Allie, but uh, I'd, I'd like her to continue to play just a little bit longer before she becomes a head coach. Yeah, same. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that's our Pride news for this week. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the U.S. Women's National Team a, a little bit more uh, later in the show. They, of course, have CONCACAF uh, qualifying coming up this week. It starts this week. In fact, the first match is, what, Thursday night. And uh, so we're looking forward to that, obviously. And... Um, so, but in the meantime, we have uh, – well, let's talk a little bit more about Orlando City against FC Dallas on the road. We're going to bring in a special guest now to help us do that. We'll get to that interview right after this. Joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, we're happy to have with us a contributor over at Big D Soccer, the SB Nation site covering FC Dallas, Ben Lyon. Ben Thanks for being with us. Hey, no problem. It's been a couple years. It's been a while. Um, we don't we don't really uh, we don't play you guys a lot, and uh, of course, uh, you know sometimes we get players and stuff, so it can be sometimes a couple years between uh, our discussions, which is kind of sad. But uh, we're we're here together now, so we'll make the best of it. Um, ben, first of all, uh, I want to say this has been. Uh, I mean, not just for FC Dallas, kind of been this way for the Western Conference where a team will get hot, then they'll cool off, then they'll get hot again. And we've seen it from a number of teams. Some of them stayed cold for a while and then got hot like Seattle. Some of them kind of got hot early and then tailed off like Portland. What is the what is the wild, wild West been like for you as an FC Dallas fan? Uh, Well, um, so probably like the biggest biggest thing for FC Dallas fans this year uh, was the uh, really weird thing where we turned over basically a quarter of our difference makers in the middle of the year. Um, Mauro Diaz requested a transfer so he could make a lot of money in the Middle East, so he was gone. Uh, Anton Najalkov, who... um, Paid a, a decent transfer fee for from uh, Bulgaria. <laughs> Came to us for uh, oh such such sweet sweet spell of time. 
uh, like basically a dozen games and then went back to uh, sweet, sweet Bulgaria. Um, <laughs> allegedly, we made a profit on that deal. And then, of course, you know, our uh, our signature homegrown player, face of the franchise and, you know, quasi face of the new generation of the U.S. national team, Kellen Acosta, uh, kind of put in a transfer request. And so, you know, we had to replace all that. And, and we kind of did that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, that dis- disrupted like a, like a good start to the season, sort of kind of like flustered through it. And now it seems like we're starting to uh, get an idea of what the team is going to be going into the final month of the season in the playoffs. Well, I got to tell you, we're a little bit jealous that uh, you're talking about that playoffs word. Um, <laughs> you guys are uh, sitting, you know, pretty over there. Um, like you said, you had a had a bunch of, of turnover. What has been the, uh, you know, following all that, what has been the secret to the success? Wow, you know, that's a really good question. And um, I'm sure... Uh, you know, you, you you would need to ask the management and, uh, you know, the coaching staff what they did differently between this year and last year. I mean, you can point to obvious things. There was some contract discomfort last year. Um, there were a lot of international absences. We, you know, we have a lot of players. Uh, Maynard Figueroa, Figueroa um, last year Atiba Harris, Deshua Akindeli, Kellen Acosta, Matt Hedges was at the Gold Cup last year. A lot of international absences, uh, a lot of injuries. Um, you know, like last year really was kind of a perfect storm of bad crap that that happened. And, you know, at the end, we ended up losing on the total wins tiebreaker, which is kind of unique to the MLS. Sorry, MLS. <laughs> um where we tied with San Jose for the last spot. And despite the fact that we had a even goal differential and their goal differential was negative 21, we lost out on the last playoff spot. Um, It was a lot of stuff that, that went wrong last year. And of course this year, because we missed out on the world cup and because, you know, we in general didn't have as many international absences um, people were signed to contracts. There wasn't the same kind of transfer um, drama. Uh, people were moved out whenever it was time to move them out. Uh, the bumps that happened last year were mostly smoothed out. And that's probably the best way to explain the difference between this year and last year. Ben, has there been any uh, sort of... Um... I guess the, the word I'm looking for here is: Has there been any, any sort of buzz in Dal in you know in the Dallas community uh, about these recent rumors about Oscar Pereja being uh, targeted as a potential U.S. men's national team coach? Oh sure, sure, yeah, no, I mean like for a couple of days, uh, everybody was uh, astir about that. Um, including the writers who originally reported the story, you know, they got into it with, uh, Doug McIntyre and, and Jeff Carlisle. And, you know, there was a big to do about 
sourcing and semantics and whatever. And uh, so there's that drama. And then, you know, uh, certain fans are, were, you know, really proud that Perea's in the conversation, deservedly so. I mean, um, I could share a stat with you about uh, Perea's record in the last uh, five years across all competitions versus uh, Greg Burhalter's, who is, you know, perhaps, you know, the favorite, possibly because of nepotism. Sorry, Greg. Um, it's because he's got all those G's in his name. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, over the course of the last five years across all competitions, Pereja's points per game is 1.67 and Bear Halter's is 1.42, which is not an insignificant difference. And, of course, you're comparing apples and oranges with the organizations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean – uh, Dallas is kind of a homey organization, so you know we don't like it when when our our, our people and Pereja is one of our people, much like Kellen Acosta is one of our people. Um, we don't like it when they leave necessarily, but you know some people can see the bigger picture and they're like, it's like yeah, come on, go, go, uh, go forth and uh, be prosperous. <laughs> well. Turning our attention to uh, the upcoming match, um, is there anything at all that worries you in regards to playing Orlando City? Yes. Really? Why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Because we lost to San Jose twice this year. Okay. We, we, we We lost at San Jose, not quite as convincingly as... We lost at home to San Jose, where they whipped our ass, and and that's not that's not an exaggeration at all. Um, it was a really weird letdown. Um, uh, Jesse Gonzalez had kind of a uh, a moment of youthful exuberance where he he didn't quite make it out to stop Vaco on a counterattack. And that precipitated a goalkeeping change, which led to, you know, the guy that started out the season, Jimmy Maurer, coming back into goal um, and playing for a few games until, you know, we went back out to San Jose um, and gave up four, which precipitated Jesse Gonzalez coming back into goal. We've had Gonzalez start out in, in CCL. And then Maurer replaced him with a knee injury. Some people say it wasn't a real knee injury, whatever. And then Maurer did whatever and was okay. And then Jesse came in. Jesse was good right after he came in. And then eh, kind of floundered around a bit. And then that kind of capped off with, uh, you know, the San Jose game and a kind of marginal Seattle game. And Maurer came back in and, and then after that last San Jose game, uh, Gonzalez has been in, and um, you know we're undefeated in four now. So that's a that's a big thing in Dallas. The, the whole backup quarterback uh, <laughs> mentality. The backup quarterback is always better, and we've got it. Like we got a real case of that with our soccer team right now. 
So just to just to kind of tie a bow on to, to Dave's question, uh, what about Orlando City does worry you? Just the fact that they're uh, at least as good as San Jose. <laughs> well, that they could, they could be taken lightly, um, because obviously Orlando has had some similar struggles as San Jose has this year. You guys have gone through a coaching change. You guys have a lot of talent on your team. I mean, Yoshi is like a full Peruvian international is a really good player. I don't think Kleshin's lost it yet. Uh, you know, Dwyer is a menace to deal with. Um, you know, you definitely have pieces there um, to cause problems for a team. It's a real, real mistake if you take, Take take Orlando lightly this weekend. So, um, you you know you mentioned Kellen Acosta going off to the Rapids. How has Dominic Baji uh, fit in with FC Dallas since his arrival in that trade? Uh, you know, I mean he's he's had his high points. He he scored on his debut um, on the road at Seattle, um, but you know, like he hasn't locked down the uh, target striker position by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, if there's one thing that you would note from FC Dallas's play the last couple of weeks playing on the road, uh, their road game style is to play r- very direct. And although Christian Coleman has not scored any goals, um, you know, he's, he's a, like a, a bona fide aerial threat like Kai Kamara is. I mean, uh, he, you know, won 12 aerial targets in Vancouver and 14 aerial targets in Portland. And despite playing on the road, uh, FC Dallas generated more shots, more corner kicks, more set pieces than, you know, the host teams, which is really, really unusual for two, uh, you know, competitive turf teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, they played, front foot basically for well i mean it's front foot as you would consider for a counter-attacking team on the road well uh other than baji and uh coleman uh who should orlando city fans be looking out for uh in the match (laughs) well uh honestly um since we were discussing road games I kind of think there's a possibility that, you know, based on, uh, you know, the the venue, since it's going to be a home game for FC Dallas, they're probably going to play entirely different than they did the last two weeks. They're going to play a little bit more front foot. And then it's going to be a question of, you know, them playing more of like a, a traditional possession type four two three one, and it remains to be seen whether Maxi or Rudy or uh, one of the new signings that replaced uh, Mauro Diaz. Uh, his name is Pablo Aranguiz, uh not re- related to Charles Aranguiz, the Chilean full international, but um, he Pablo is, uh, you know, a, a, a proper 10, kind of like Mauro. He's shown some flashes since he's came here. And this might be the kind of game where Poppy rolls him out to start. And he's a very, very dynamic attacking midfielder. Um, 
you know, you like if you watch him play, he kind of looks like Marrow, um, but like he's a little bit more lively. He doesn't have that same kind of chess player look to him. He's definitely more aggro. Um, so that would be one player you would want to watch out for if he's starting. Um, and that's no guarantee. Uh, it, it could be uh, Maxi and one of the other uh, one of the other target strikers, uh, Baji or Coleman. And then the other guy that you want to watch as an attacker is Santiago Mascara, who, you know, because we're really cheap, <laughs> you know, we don't have Orlando money. Oh, um, God. <laughs> hey, you guys signed Kaká, so you know. Um, <laughs> I've seen your guys' wage bills. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Mascara is probably the closest thing that we've had to uh, Fabian Castillo since he left. Um, he's not quite as live wire and dynamic as Fabian Castillo, but he's got he's got more bona fide soccer skills. Um, you know, as far as tactical awareness, um, <clears throat> touch on crosses, that sort of thing. He's taken corners for us before, uh, but he's still plenty fast. I mean, I don't want to say anything about your guys' back line. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually just finally got our starting back line yeah. last game. <laughs> it's, been, it's been out all year. <laughs> so... Um, you know, Ben, he, he, I'm glad you brought up Fabian Castillo, actually, because uh, that's something our teams have in common. We've each lost a, a star player to, in, an, in, a, in the most aggravating way imaginable to a Turkish team. Oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, yeah. Did, did you guys get death threats with, like, guns and chainsaws and and uh, all, all that stuff on Twitter whenever... Uh, uh, Basikas was trying to get uh, Kyle Laren over there. Uh, not so that I could read or translate, but uh, there were some, <laughs> there were some pretty nasty, uh, e- you know, there were some pretty nasty messages from Basikas fans, and it was uh, it was kind of like uh, I don't know why you're attacking us. You know, <laughs> we're just a blog, <laughs> right, uh, right. but uh, you know, we're gonna report on what's going on, and the fact is that. You know, his it, it was it was really more like um, it, I, like it was, I don't know how much of that stuff was ch- tongue in cheek. Like it made me kind of want to go to a game in Turkey <laughs> just to see how lit it was. <laughs> yeah, the, the the thing that I mostly found out was that there's a great deal of disdain in Turkey for uh, the the club option. You know, the club option is like a thing that can be just dismissed out of hand uh, by the fans over there. It doesn't count. Oh sure. So it, it it was it was met with a great deal of oh he's not even under contract that's not even a real thing kind of kind of attitude and it was like well no really really they own his rights that's how it works here you know, <laughs> you know they, the whole world doesn't do it the same way I mean you know all you have to do is see that we have the playoffs and you automatically know we're different you know um, yeah no no the whole Fabian Castillo thing was a lot of fun for us just because it was uh, you know. It was, it, was, it was a bridge between two different worlds, and mm-hmm. we learned a lot, and it was exciting. It was <laughs> exhilarating. I had to change my phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, ben, before we let you get out of here, uh, just kind of 
talk us through what you think the the key matchup of the game is is going to be in in terms of uh, what's going to swing this for one team or the other and and give us a, a final score prediction mm, well I, I i put all these notes together and and that wasn't uh that wasn't one of them um <laughs> And that partly that's because I'm not sure exactly what uh, Pereja is going to roll out, but um, it's 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 going to be uh, whoever is at that number ten spot for FC Dallas because they're going to roll out a four two three one. It's either going to be Arangis or Maxi Arudi, and they provide totally different different styles. I mean, Orangis is, is, is a classic 10. He's active. Um, and you know, he's, 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 he's got the kind of vision that can really provide a lot of chances for FC Dallas in this match. But if you go with, with, with Maxi, he's more like a false 10. So he's, he's, he's still like in that neither world between, I'm a forward or I am Mario Diaz. So he's going to play more advanced. He's, he, he's going to attack, attack, uh, you know, the, the D mids of Orlando even harder. And so that's, that's going to be, that's going to be the key battle for, for FC Dallas based on the fact that they're probably going to play a little bit more front foot this game. So, uh, I don't know whether it's going to be, for you guys, whether it's going to be Higita and Will Johnson or Higita and Roselle or Higita and Yoshi, I don't know how you guys are going to set up this week, but it, a lot of it is going to depend on how well either Rudy or Arangis fights between those two. Mm-hmm. And, you know... You know, if they, if if Orlando loses loses too many of those battles, and I kind of think they will, um, I, I think it's going to be, you know, three one or three zero. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Sounds well, perfectly reasonable. One me. one thing you will you will find is you're probably going to see at least four defensive midfielders on the field for Orlando City because that's uh, really all they got. The uh, yeah. the attacking midfield is non-existent, and um, it, you're probably my guess would be you're going to see uh, a defensive midfield of Carlos Asquez and Yuri Rosell, and uh, then you're probably also going to see Yoshi in the attacking line on a, in a four, two, three, one. And you may also see Will Johnson in the attacking line in the four, two, three, one. Um, oh, I forgot about Asquez. Yeah. What, what the hell happened to Sasha this year? Uh, Sasha's not, uh, he's not played great. Uh, he's had some, some good moments, but, um, it's the, the, the system that they've been playing in since James O'Connor has taken over. Hasn't really been, uh, been, um, I guess conducive to to Clushton's game. He'll probably be on the pitch in that uh, that uh, central attacking midfield role uh, between Yoshi and uh, whoever plays on the right side. Um, it could be Chris Mueller, it could be um, Johnson, could even be Higita, um, and then Dwyer up top. So he should be on the pitch, but um, really the offense has more or less moved through Yoshimaru Tun. Um, uh, whenever he's been on the field, it doesn't matter where he lines up. He's kind of the one running the offense. So, um, 
It's a little bit of a backseat for Kleshin this year, and he's he came back from injury, and he hasn't quite really found his groove since he came back uh, from from uh, was kind of a knee and ankle at the same time. He got uh, destroyed from behind in the uh, New England game. Uh, so you're probably going to see a lot of defensive midfielders. Uh, we finally got to see, like I mentioned earlier, we finally got to see the, the full first team projected uh, back line that, you know, we, I think, I think they've only played three games together all season long. Uh, and coincidentally, the team got a shutout. So uh, against your, your, uh, you know, your favorites, the Houston Dynamo. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the bad news is uh, Orlando can't score against Texas teams. Uh, Orlando City players have not scored a goal in seven games against Texas teams uh, since joining MLS. The only goal against either Houston or Dallas was a Tyler Derrick own goal in 2015. So that's that's that sounds right. <laughs> unfortunately, very right. Yeah. Given, given, given my research, that stat sounds exactly right. <laughs> yes. Oh, and no. uh, the nil nil draw against Dallas last year and nil nil draw against Houston this year in the last two Texas uh, meetings. So uh, I'm not expecting Orlando City to put a great deal of uh, pressure on uh, Jesse Gonzalez. I think the team's been three games also without a goal. So. Um, yeah, not, not, uh, I think it's pretty obvious defensive midfielders is probably not the way to get a lot of goals, but, uh, that's what we've been using. So, uh, Ben Lyon, uh, where can people find you online? Your, your writing, your, your social media, that kind of thing. Well, I'm at bird turgler on Twitter, which is <clears throat> spelled B Y R D T U R G L E R. And yes, it is a spoonerism. And yes, I do live money, love money Python. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and big D I, I write less and less. So you probably ought to just follow the Twitter account because I do mediums and stuff like that mm. and freelance as well. So, if you found if you found my testimony of the greatness of FC Dallas tonight exceptionally compelling, then follow my Twitter, and you know maybe I'll write something funny sometime, and you'll enjoy it. All right, uh, Ben Lyon, uh, contributor over at Big D Soccer. That's BigDSoccer.com, SB Nation's uh, FC Dallas website. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of uh, letters in there. A lot of acronym kind of stuff going on there but uh we appreciate you coming by the podcast and we look forward to talking to you again in the future all right hey thanks all right big thanks again to ben lyon from big d soccer for stopping by it's been a while since we've talked to him and uh telling us a little bit more about his squad well, not his. I mean, he doesn't own them, but, I mean, he roots for them. So I guess it's kind of like, you know, an ownership thing. You take an ownership of the team you're a fan of. I don't know. I'm di- I'm, I'm it's, floundering, Dave. It's more so than <laughs> we have ownership of FC Dallas. How about that? Well, yeah, we don't have any ownership of FC Dallas. Exactly. Not even as fans. So there you go. All right. So we got us some mail this week. <laughs> yes, we did. All right. So, Dave, there's two ways people can email us and ask us literally anything or not two ways they can email us. There's two ways they can ask us anything. You can either go the email route and hit us up at themainland at gmail.com, or you can do this other thing on Twitter where you tweet at us. We are at the mainland, and you can use the hashtag AskTMLPC. And either way, you can ask us whatever you want to know. 
will give you an answer. It may not be the right answer, but it's going to be an answer. That much I can guarantee you. It will most certainly be an answer. Yes. So uh, I'm going to start out with our emailer this week. We had one email. And uh, we had the rest of them from Twitter. So that would be, you know, I don't know how many we got from Twitter, but it's a lot. It's it's a lot. Do you think it was that there was a, a, I was going to say that there wasn't a, a game. And so everybody's like itching for questioning. I don't, I can't explain it. I don't think so. I think everybody just asked us at the last minute today once we <laughs> just reminded everybody we're recording tonight. And then that was it. It was like. You know, it was it was it was over. That was all she wrote. And people were like, "Yeah, I got a question there, funny man." <laughs> they asked. They certainly did. Yes. Uh, anyway, yeah. to the email. Yeah. So our email, by the way, is from David Victor. David says, "Hey, Michael and Dave, uh, how do you feel about the Venom movie not having Spider-Man slash Peter Parker as a character? When are you going to watch it? And can I join you?" Um, okay. In order, uh, I'm okay with it. Honestly. Um, the, uh, I actually do read comic books and the Venom character has gotten a bigger life of its own back history, you know, history and, and, uh, backstory, all that kind of thing. So I'm not that worried about it. Um, from what I've heard, unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be a lot of Venom in the Venom movie. Lots of Tom Hardy, not a lot of Venom. Uh, but that I, that was a rumor, so I, I can't say for sure. Um, I was originally going to go see it this Thursday night, uh, but circumstances do not allow, so we will probably go see it Sunday. And yeah, you can come with me, but it's probably going to be a long drive up to Tallahassee. Uh, David Victor, first of all, I want to say, um, you know, you telling me that no Spider, no Spider-Man, Peter Parker in the movie. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> you know, give a bro a warning about the spoilers. Uh, I didn't know that. Um, uh, but as to how I feel about it, I don't know. I have to see the movie and see if it's good. It, it may not need it. I don't know what the story will be. I haven't uh, really been. I've seen a couple of uh, the trailers, but I haven't really dived into what's going on so um it, it really depends if it's a good movie it's fine if it doesn't need a, a spider-man or peter parker then I'm, i'll be okay with it unless the movie sucks then i won't be okay with it but uh when am i going to watch it i'll be honest with you i got a lot of crap going on right now this is probably going to be one of the ones that i wait for it to come on uh netflix or hbo now uh or hbo go or whatever and um and see it then uh but it's possible that i'll see it the movies i don't know and can you watch it with me? Can you join me? Only if you pay for the popcorn. Nice. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> Side note, as, as we're recording this, um, the digital uh, version of Ant-Man and the Wasp dropped today for those of you who uh, haven't seen it or want to watch it in the comfort of your own home, which I thought was a pretty good movie. Is it on Netflix? Not yet, Michael. Okay. Uh, I know, um, actually, I'm finally going to get to, my wife's going to get to see Black Panther because it's on Netflix. Yes, it is. Uh, Very good. Which is also how she got to see um, uh, Thor Ragnarok, actually. Also on there right now. I've rewatched it. Yes, it's a good flick. I like Thor Ragnarok. Uh, All right, so that's it. That's all for our email um, questions. If you sent an email and I didn't read it, that means I didn't get it somehow. So uh, you can Email us at themainland at gmail.com. Make sure you spell Maine like a lion's mane. Now we got a ton. A ton, Dave. I tell you a ton. 
in Twitter. <laughs> so we're going to rip through these maybe a little bit quicker than we would normally, but um, we got to do it. It's we the do. lightning round. So our first one comes from Elder Gorilla. Red Bulls proved that a solid academy can beat money-bought teams. Atlanta uh, has Orlando City with the reintroduction of OCB and Montverde partnerships solidified. Uh, are we going to finally finally going to go the home ground, homegrown route to wins, or are we going to still try for home run signings? Dave, what do you think? Uh, I think uh, I think that yeah, we're, we're moving towards that. Um, I don't think of O'Connor as a home run signing kind of guy. More of a he knows the types of players he wants. So I, I don't know that we would have had the home run signings regardless. Uh, but um, the reintroduction of OCB and Montverde Academy uh, partnership are definitely pieces of the puzzle that have been missing. So um, I, I think it's a, a combination of those things. I think those are both good moves from the club, but I think we'll see a, I think we'll still see a combination of uh, big signings when we can get the right player and uh, we'll try to develop talent as well. I think, the, I think you got to go both ways. I think that most teams in MLS go both ways. I will also ha- hasten to point out that just because the Red Bulls won the last meeting with Atlanta doesn't mean that, they're the better team. Uh, it just means right now they're at the top of the Eastern Conference and there's still a few games left and there's still playoffs to go. So let's see how it shakes out before we say that the Red Bulls proved anything against Atlanta. Um, uh, and again, that is a challenge to you, Red Bulls. I dare you to beat Atlanta in the playoffs. I dare you. Yeah, <laughs> double dare. Uh, our old friend Luis Hernandez, who uh, used to write for us, actually, at the mainland. Yes, he did. Uh, he says, what, if anything, will come out of the Rays buying the Rowdies? Uh, um, for me, uh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, the Rowdies have a new owner. I don't know if anything really will come out of it. Uh, I don't know whether that means they'll sink more money into it. I, I really don't know what their approach is going to be. So it's it's up in the air. It's anybody's guess for, for, for my money right now. Uh, and I would agree that, uh, hey, maybe more money for them. That's maybe, maybe, maybe. we'll see. I, I, we don't know how they're going to approach this. I, I, mean, I was actually kind of caught off guard by that sale this week when the, the news broke. I was like, oh, really? I didn't, I didn't think they'd be up for sale, but okay. I haven't really been paying attention to them because I don't care about the rowdies. <laughs> we only care about them <laughs> if we play them and that's not very yeah. often anymore. Uh, Luis also says, I know I have my picks, but who is the head coach for the pride next year? I, we already addressed this, that we, yeah. we don't have a freaking clue right now. Who... Actually, what I want is for Luis to tweet and or, or DM us his picks, because I'm curious what he's thinking. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, I, I think uh, it's hard to even know how seriously Orlando City SC will take um, the, the search for this and, and what what direction will they go? Do they do they get scared off for going after a name after not winning it in three years with with Tom Sermani? Do they try to give somebody uh, young, um, you know, their first start, you know, their 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 uh, first break and, and maybe an opportunity? Um, you know, I don't I don't know I don't know how they're going to really approach this. Uh, here's a name. The only name that I could even say that I think would be interesting to be in the short list. And I don't know if she's interested in this position uh, is UCF women's coach, Tiffany Roberts, uh, Sahadek. Um, okay. I think that's a name where, you know, that, you know, this is a, a player who has been a coach has, you know, been a player, been Olympic gold medalist, um, good pedigree. Uh, somebody I thought might've been in the running for it uh, before Tom Sermani was named 
head coach. Uh, that's the only name that I could even say uh, I think this is a name that should be on the list or at least get a look. But, um, you know, don't know if that's going to be the case or not. It's an interesting pick, though. So, um, I think she's had some okay success and has played uh, for the U.S. national team. And, um, you know, so there's a pedigree there. So maybe that's a, a name that might be in the, on the list. But other than that, I really don't even know who's going to be on the list. And I haven't had a discussion with uh, Nikki Budalich or Alex Leitao about uh, the search. And uh, quite frankly, with everything that's been going on in my life, uh, personal life, it's not something that's been on my radar. But I would like to actually sit down and talk to the people in the front office, not just about the pride head coaching position and what um, – the, the goal and the plans are in terms of not only, um, you know, when they want the hiring by, uh, what they're looking for, uh, but also for OCB. So these are a couple of things that I'm interested in that I just haven't had ch- a chance to, to get involved in. Maybe some about somebody on my staff could, uh, put in a request, a request and, and write those stories because, um, I don't have time. <laughs> that would be good. Thanks for the questions, Luis. Appreciate it as always. Uh, who else we got? Uh, we've got Rich Ransom. Is James O'Connor the coach next season, or is Orlando City going to go for a complete rebuild? Yes and yes. Uh, James O'Connor is the coach next season, and they're going for a complete rebuild. Well, not complete, not really. Uh, O'Connor is going to keep the guys that he wants. He's going to go get the guys uh, that are not there that he wants or try to. And so, unfortunately, we are in for a rebuild again. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they, they didn't bring O'Connor in for half a season. Uh, they knew the challenges that would be there. I think the, uh, the idea that they thought that – I think they were hopeful when they thought that they could get to the playoffs with the people that they had, uh, the players that they had. But uh, on some level, they had to know that the happenings that happened were also a possibility. So it's – you know – He's here, he rebuilds, and we hopefully go forward for many years together very happily. Yeah, I don't see – that would be a, a tremendously uh, brutal thing to do to somebody to have them leave a successful job that they love in Louisville and then bring them in for half a season and then fire them. Uh, that yeah. would make – it would make life very difficult on the club. It uh, Not necessarily at attracting um, a new head coach because, you know – I think coaches, a lot of coaches have a little bit of ego, at least in terms of I'm the one that can turn it around, that kind of thing. I believe in myself. They have a a lot of self-confidence. So I don't think people would necessarily be uh, scared off. But I think it would give people pause if they had multiple offers. Uh, Do I want to go to Orlando where they have a notoriously short leash or do I want to go over here? Um, So I I don't think that James O'Connor is going to go anywhere. I think they're going to give him a training camp an off season. And I do think there'll be at least a partial rebuild of this roster because there are some glaring holes and we've, um, we touched on it earlier attacking midfielders. Um, there aren't any, (laughs) so, (laughs) uh, they had some, uh, they had some that they had high hopes for that have not worked out. Um, you know, Justin Merrim, we expected to work out. He didn't, um, Sasha question. Will he be back next year? I don't know. Um, he's certainly not getting any younger. Chris Mueller has, uh, obliterated the rookie wall. And um, we don't know what, uh, you know, what his long-term prospects are. He seems like a, a legitimate prospect that somebody's going to, mm-hmm. who's going to develop and, and have a good career. But, you know, at this point, we don't have a big sample size on him. Uh-huh. So 
yeah, at least the attacking midfield needs to be completely rebuilt. And, um, you know, there'll be some there'll be some moves in the offseason. But I expect J.O.C. to be back. Uh, here's a name I can't pronounce. I'm going to try. Jikhoffs. I don't know. N-D-I-J-K-H-O-F-F-Z. Uh, this sure. is a person on Twitter. Anyway. Uh, okay. Question is, <laughs> uh, I always thought from our first season that this team is missing an identity, a playing style, a team culture. Look at Atlanta United and their method. Do you think the problem in Orlando is a lack of team identity? No. I don't think it's a lack of team identity. I think from I think every single time this team has hired a coach, and even including when they said why they hired Adrian Heath, they've always had the same message. We want to play an attractive, attacking style of football, and we want to be hard to play against. We want to, you know, it, it's, I mean, the, the pieces are there. The things that they say are consistent. It just hasn't materialized. I don't think the identity is the problem. I think early on it was talent, and ever since then it's been turnover and injuries and all kinds of uh, – it's been discontinuity. There's just not been any consistency in the lineup. There hasn't been – I thought that this offseason was a really good up – you know, a really good rebuild. But I thought from, from the moment they brought that many new people in, I thought it was going to be an issue to get it all playing together, get this team all on the field – all in lockstep with each other. I thought it was going to be a work in progress, and I thought it would get better over the course of the season. Instead, it kind of came together a little early in the season, although not all the way. It sort of, um, it, you know, it sort of kind of came together, but then some of the pieces got knocked out, and then it fell completely apart, and they couldn't put it back together again. So, honestly, this team just needs to find some players, play them together, get them to work hard and get some kind of continuity. There's just been in four years in MLS, there's been no continuity with the roster through various things, usually injuries. It's not always the same thing. Um, you know, they've tried many different things. They've brought in new training staff. They brought in a new head trainer. Um, they've tried different coaches, different methodologies, but the results have all been the same. And again, I, w I think it went from lack of talent uh, lack of depth at first, lack of talent uh, a little bit in year one, and then just kind of became a, a problem with consistency. Teams have to play together. They're not going to get any better. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I don't have anything to add. I mean, I could expound upon the inconsistency of along the back line, which we've said many, many times over mm -hmm. the last many, many weeks. But yeah, that that is really it. Um I'm hopeful that O'Connor will 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 be the one to bring about the fruition of that uh, playing style and and vision. Mm -hmm. um, so and and of course it's as we mentioned not very long ago it's going to take an off season, uh, maybe even longer or actually definitely longer to do that. But um, yeah, it's you know it, what happened in Atlanta was a perfect storm. So yeah, it really, it that's, really that's, was. that's, that's, that's the outlier. Not the, not, not what usually happens. So appreciate the question. Uh, however you say your name. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry <for> that. <laughs> yeah. Here's my favorite question of the mailbag. Hogan Rutherford on Twitter says, how are you guys doing? Are you okay? <laughs> um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, it's, uh, 
I won't lie. It's it's been a rough uh, rough season for me as a fan, not just of Orlando stuff, but uh, of other teams that I follow as well. So it's 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 a little tough, but I, I am okay because as, as listeners of the podcast know, uh, I, I am a Liverpool fan, and they're they're doing quite well so far. So assuming that doesn't all fall apart, which I don't expect it to, um, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, I'm, I'm a little tired, but I'm all right. <laughs> all right, cool. All right. <laughs> I'll be okay. Um, Halcyon 008 wants to, uh, says, Orlando City will be rebuilding the men's team for a fourth year in a row. Orlando Pride will re-sign nearly all returning players. Isn't the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results? That is the definition of insanity. Well, or, it's one of the definitions it's one of the definitions. Yeah, it's a definition of insanity. Yes. Um, but I think that... Um, I don't think the pride bringing most of its players back is a bad thing. I think that we just talked about continuity and how important it is. Uh, for whatever reason, those those players were not on the same page this year. We have talked at great length about our, our um, theories as to why that is. Partially, it's players were missing in training camp. Players were gone for the first month, and the team didn't get a, t- a chance to really come together because of that. Um, but... You know, and if you don't have any chemistry, it's it's an awfully hard thing to get in the middle of the season. Um, so I think that was partly it. And maybe there were some locker room clashes in terms of just some, some strong personalities that weren't pulling the same direction. I don't know. But um, apparently the the <laughs> the club thinks it was Tom Sermani's fault. So he's the one that got his walking papers. And we'll see what a new coach can do. Maybe that's all it takes is a shakeup. Uh, sometimes that's all it takes. But uh, on the men's side... Those shakeups have not worked at all, like at all. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, uh, on the on the women's side, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, all those people, uh, all those players that were uh, resigned or, or uh, offered, aren't necessarily going to be here next season. Right. So that's still up in the air. Yeah. Um, so we can't say for sure on that. And then on the men's side, yeah. It would be beating a dead horse to, to go further into that yeah, one. So the core will be here for the pride. The, you know, they're not going to have wholesale changes. There will be the same no. core, uh, but there'll be some new pieces. We'll see how that goes. The, the men's side, I think, really just every single person we've talked to, Dave, has said Orlando City's got a lot of talent. Every single person that we brought in from another yes. blog has said, yeah, Orlando City has talent. Um, so there's apparently talent here. Everybody thinks so. Um, the club likes to blame the coach and not give this thing a chance to congeal and come together. And, and congeal is not the word I'm looking for. I'm really struggling for words tonight. Um, coalesce. Coalesce, yes. That's definitely not the word I was looking for, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely looking for a different uh, different one. But anyway, um, you know, this the, the, the back line that we saw against Houston was very good. Especially with, yeah. with Ros- the way Rossell and Asquez uh, did a good job of shielding them. So I think that's a great start. It's a great building block if they can keep those six together and put a little bit better, stronger goalkeeper behind them than what we've seen this year. Although I'm not trying to take anything away from Adam Grinwis. He had a great first start, but he only faced a couple of shots. So mm-hmm. uh, let's see how he does over the, the long run. I don't know if he's the long-term answer, but... Um, he didn't do any worse than anybody else has done this year, so kudos to him for that. Uh, Absolutely, we just need and, we just need 
some continuity on the men's side. If the, if there is talent, then it needs to be able to play together. And we haven't had that. We just haven't had it. It's just been a revolving door, and it's been terrible. So, Halcyon, thank you for the the question. Very thought-provoking question it was. Ryan Smith asked us 7,002 questions. Um, cool. Or three, one or the other. Uh, <laughs> I hope it's three. <laughs> start with the first. Uh, would you rather wake up in the morning to a breaking news headline of Atlanta United wins championship in second season or... Orlando City trades Dom Dwyer plus 200,000 general uh, allocation money for Joseph Martinez. Which of those headlines would you rather wake up to? Uh, I'm going to go with the first one because, you know, things in sports are cyclical and okay, fine. They win. Then it's off the table. It's not sitting out there. Uh, And if we did trade Dom for Martinez, I have a feeling that then Martinez would end up leaving after not too long, and I'd rather have Dom for several years than uh, Martinez for one. All right, fair enough. I'm going to go the other way for a couple reasons. Number one, if I wake up to the headline, Atlanta United wins championship in second season, how the hell late did I sleep? (laughs) Okay. That's going to be at least an afternoon game, I got to think. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think the second one, because, um, you know, I, that's probably going to be, be like get people up in arms and get people aggravated. But Joseph Martinez is younger. And um, I mean, right now he's just a better goal scorer. So he's got more room to develop and he's already mm-hmm. probably at a higher level. And if he does leave, you get a bunch of money for him. You do get a bunch of money so for him. There's, that's there's that's that. a good point. So uh, that's Question one from Ryan Smith. Question two, would you rather coach the entire season in a full suit under the blistering sun and heat or coach an entire season in shorts and a polo where it's guaranteed to snow most games? I'm going to go uh, full suit just because um, we live in Florida. We're used to the heat and I, I've worked outside where I had to wear long sleeves and pants and things like that. So I, I know I can handle that. Um, my blood is pretty thin at this point, despite growing up in Maryland. So the uh, polo and shorts and it's cold. I, I don't think I'd enjoy that very much. I don't know what kind of lunatic is wearing shorts and a polo in snow or where they're playing an entire season in the snow. But it doesn't matter, sir. <laughs> Answer the question. For the, I guess I would rather go with the full suit because I could take off my jacket and tie. Okay, that's fair. So, And then I also don't like it when I'm cold. Um, I'm, that's why we live in Florida. Yeah. So we live in Florida so we can freeze when we're indoors rather than outdoors. <laughs> exactly right. God. I've, I've never experienced air conditioning like I've experienced here. Um, all right. What else uh, we got from Ryan? Would you rather take a genie's wish of knowing that you won't make the playoffs for the first five years as a club but be guaranteed to win the cup year six or take your chances and go for it on your own? Oh, I'll I'll definitely take uh, win the cup in year six because it how long how long did it take Toronto plus um, uh, you know if I take my chances you know there's no guarantees that's true I'll take a, I, I will take a guaranteed cup win every single time thought a lot about this um, about this kind of a scenario where you could like kind of I always used to have these. Um, 
I don't know, kind of daydreams or kind of like thoughts where it would be really cool if I could control the football with my mind when I'm watching football games. And that way, like when, uh, when, you know, my team, the dolphins are playing somebody, I can make their passes be incomplete and make our passes go right to our guys. Um, and then I thought about it and it's like, well, that kind of takes all the mystery out of the game. And part of what I like about sports is the unpredictability of it. So I think I would take my chances and go for it on my own because if I was guaranteed to win the cup year six, there would be no drama in year six. I couldn't, I don't think I could enjoy it. I don't think I could enjoy, I mean, they'd win and I'd be like, okay, well, I knew they were going to do that. And I, I already knew this was going to happen. It wouldn't, it, you know, all the drama would be out of it. And the drama is what I live for. You put a heck of a lot more thought into this than I did. (laughs) Hey, all all I saw was that, that gleaming cup. This guy took at least 30 seconds to type in this question in Twitter. The least I could do is spend hours thinking about it. That's fair. <laughs> All You're right. right. I did not. I did not give him his full due. Reckless asks, "Do y'all think that any of our players are?" He did say y'all. By the way, I'm not just saying that. Do y'all think that any of our players are playing for their careers in MLS throughout the rest of the season? Obviously, a bunch are trying to play for their Orlando City contract. But what about those with more at stake? If you think there are any, who? Thanks for being great. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I think there was that one uh, anomaly of a game where they everybody looks, you know, like they didn't care and it pissed off all of us. Um, but then I, I think we saw, you know, them have a aha moment and everybody come back and and try harder. So um, uh, people who are playing for someplace else or those with the most at stake um i would think uh higita um because it's with as many uh, pretty much actually i take the back almost all the defensive midfielders no i don't think you're misinterpreting the question i think the question is not just playing for their contract but are they playing for their careers in mls like in other words if they don't do well they might not get another chance in mls that's the way I'm reading this question. Uh, okay, I was reading it as they're they're playing because they might need to get picked up someplace else other than Orlando. Um, okay, if they're like they're done and out of MLS if they don't right. play well, right. ah, that's the way I'm nah, interpreting this. No, I don't. I, it's like what well, we just mentioned. There's talent there, so I, I don't. You know, I, of the guys that are playing, no, I don't that we're seeing, I don't think that any of them are playing for MLS or not MLS. All right. I, I think that when you get a question like this, you kind of look at the oldest and youngest guys um, because the oldest guys might not get another chance and the younger guys may <laughs> not ever get their first chance. So I think there are, there are guys I think right now who I don't know if they will be an MLS next year or on an MLS roster. I think one of those is Richie Larea, who's had a very quiet year um, in May, he may be out of contract and maybe uh, maybe on a USL contract next year. Um, another guy that you might look at is a guy we we saw a lot of early in the season and even in the middle of the season um, when O'Connor got here, but we haven't seen much lately, and that's Tony Rocha. Uh, those are guys that are kind of on the younger side that may never get another good look in in you know at the top flight, but. 
Um, then you got to look at the other end of the spectrum, guys like Sasha Kleshton, who, you know, if he's, I, I think a guy like Sasha Kleshton can get another contract. I don't even think it'll be a, a very difficult thing for him. It'll be as soon as he becomes available, they're going to start fielding calls and he'll have a, a deal in place very quickly. But yeah. you do wonder about guys like uh, him and Will Johnson, like how, how much do they have left? Certainly if Sasha left the team after this year, he would have to take a pay cut by, based on the way he played this year. He, there would be a lot of incentives in that contract to protect uh, the club, and uh, there wouldn't be uh, a, as big of a guarantee. And um, I think that Will Johnson may be on his last MLS contract as it is. So um, that's that's kind of where I gravitate when you ask that kind of question. It's the youngest guys and the oldest guys, the middle-of-the-road guys who have, have, have shown to be uh, solid MLS players that are in their mid-20s, um, they'll probably be fine. So I don't think they're playing for their MLS careers. But um, it's a good question, Reckless, and appreciate it. And also appreciate you uh, thanking us for being great. That was uh, a nice touch. Yeah, we <laughs> definitely enjoy Compliments are welcome. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. It's that's perfect. all I've seen. Um, like that wasn't enough? <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. Uh, let me just check one thing just to make sure we got everybody in. I would hate to miss one in this extravaganza <laughs> because we've had, um, you know, we didn't have a, a big recap to do. So we did have a little bit of built in extra time this week to get to this kind of thing. So um, just want to not quickly not that we, and not that we don't want you to ask questions, even if we have a recap. Yeah. All right. So that's all I see here um i will uh, quickly hit the hashtag just to make sure i didn't miss anything there i tried to like everything that i saw um and that way i could uh easily find it in one fell swoop um and i think that's it that's all i see if i missed your question i'm sorry it got lost in the all the other questions blame it on ryan smith for asking so many questions Ryan, that's okay. We don't mind answering his questions, but he he did ask a lot. So he did, uh, and you know, friend of the podcast. Yeah. So so the mainland at gmail.com If you want to send us a question for next week or any week, uh, that's our our email address, the mainland at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. We are at the mainland. That's our Twitter handle, and uh, you can hit us up with that hashtag. Ask TMLPC. Dave, before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit about the CONCACAF Championship. Uh, the U.S. Women's National Team will play on Thursday night against Mexico at 7.30. Uh, then they are going to play against Panama on Sunday. And uh, then next Wednesday, the 10th, uh, Trinidad and Tobago. And that will uh, do it for group play. And then they will have, um, assuming they get through the group, which I think mm -hmm. should be a safe assumption based on the, the talent level. Uh, they would play should be. Uh, a semifinal on the 14th. If they make the final, uh, it would be on the 17th. So the next few weeks are going to tell us a lot about uh, the U.S. Women's National Team. This is not a team that should finish any worse than second in this tournament. Should win it. Will be heavily favored to win it, especially since it's mm -hmm. in the United States. Um, Canada is the only team that should give them any trouble whatsoever do you see this any differently than that? No, I don't. The only thing that I, I, I had some uh, involuntary flashbacks when it, Trinidad 
and Tobago came up. But uh, other than that, no. I mean, then I was like, no, no, it's the women's team. It's okay. Yeah. Um, now, uh, we should uh, we should roll, or the U.S. women's national team, I should, I should say, should roll. And um, I think we it, – it'll be interesting to see um, – how they go out, how they play, how many goals they score. You know, it's the opposite problem of Orlando City. I don't think it's a, it'll be a lack of goals. It'll be how many how many do they score. So, yeah, it's none of the teams in group play should play within two goals of them. Um, no. it, it would be surprising if they did, but you know, weird things happen sometimes. Uh, the U.S. should get through Concacaf Championship, should qualify for the World Cup next year in France. And uh, we will know more. We'll be back to talk about it next week. We'll at least have two of the three games to talk about next week. And then we'll still have Trinidad and Tobago to go. And by that time, possibly the U.S. will have already clinched the group. So uh, yeah. we'll discuss that next week. The men will also be playing on an international break coming up. The men will be playing Colombia on the 11th of October. Uh, they will be playing on the 16th against Peru. And that is uh, Yoshimar Yotun will be with the team, uh, with the Peruvian team for that. Um, I believe he will miss the New England game as a result of being with the, the Peru uh, international or the Peru national team. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. We still don't have a, a permanent head coach for the U.S. men's national team, Dave. And, nope. um, you know, I guess I'm only bringing it up because obviously none of these games are going to take place. Uh, neither of those games are going to be taking place before we do another podcast. I'm just getting it out there. Um, going to be interesting. Michael Bradley back in the team. Um, Christian Pulisic, um, as I continue to have trouble using my face <laughs> to speak. Uh, but it's been, it's only, we're so close to being done. David, Michael, it's only on, Tuesday and I'm already exhausted. I can't, I can't wait for the weekend. And then when the weekend comes, I'll have a lot of work to do because I'm still getting the house in shape. We're very, very close now. We're very close to having this house ready to show, but then the actual showing will begin and, and it'll still be stressful and lots to do. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah, the U S men's uh, national team coming up, uh, anything you're looking forward to in these games? I mean, obviously the competition is going to be pretty tough. Yeah, no, I, I'm approaching it the same way I have ever since, uh, that loss to Trinidad. I, I, I want to see, I want to see who we have. I want to see how they're playing. I, I want to see the next generation. It'll be interesting with Bradley back. I, I knew something like that might eventually happen. So if, uh, it, you know, it's all right now. It's all just getting these guys time, uh, these young guys time, because uh, until we have a coach, until we have a direction, uh, style of play, et cetera, you know, it's it's all up in the air. So um, the more the more they can play, I think the better off we are. And that's where I'm at. All right. Well, we will come back next week. We'll have a little bit. Maybe we'll have a little bit more of a preview next week, although we might have time because we will have a game to recap at Dallas and a game to preview at New England as the uh, Lions will take on uh, take to the road for the next couple of games before coming back home to face Seattle at home on Wednesday the 17th. So, um, you know, 8 o'clock Saturday night, Orlando City gets another chance to win a game or to maybe score a goal against a Texas team. Um, score a goal. Score a goal. Yeah. And we'll be back to talk about it next week. You can find Dave on Twitter at Mainland Dave. You can find me on Twitter at Mainland Michael. And, of course, you can uh, follow our uh, site's Twitter feed at The Mainland. And like us on Facebook. Read our stuff at TheMainland.com. Subscribe to this here podcast. 
tell us all about how much you like us in a five-star review and we'll read your review on the air your itunes review we had none this week we had two last week so um if you want to hear our reviews you can go back and listen to last week's because we don't have any new ones and we like them immensely yeah that'll do it for episode 144 of the mainland podcast uh, again we'll be back to break down what will probably not gonna lie to you it's probably gonna be another loss um next week probably. and we'll look ahead to new england maybe we'll have our friend jake katniss come back on or uh who knows maybe we'll have uh, a player it's been a while since i've requested one so maybe i should do that and stop being so damn lazy um <laughs> <laughs> but anyway uh we'll be back to doing it again next week so until then uh on behalf of david rowe i'm michael citro the founder and managing editor of the mainland.com signing off the way i always do by saying Go City and go Pride.